We thank God for that wonderful singing, and uh, it's good to, uh, I, I like uh, to, to be back home. <laughs> um, we, we still feel that we belong here. <laughs> It's like a married woman who is always telling the husband, oh, you know what? No, I passed through home, <laughs> forgetting that they actually have their own home established. But it's good to be back here. And uh, I bring greetings uh, from the brethren at Chamber Valley. And I also want to thank the leadership for the opportunity given me to just uh, be part of uh, men who have been preaching and making the good news uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ known uh, around uh, various uh, areas in Lusaka. To that effect, I would want to ask that you turn to the scripture and uh, the book of Matthew and chapter 28. We will read uh, the first uh, 10 verses. Matthew 28, the Bible reads, <clears throat> After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and came down from heaven, going to the tomb, wrote uh, back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Let us pray. Eternal and most blessed God, we are grateful uh, for this opportunity granted to share the word of God and particularly to be part of the throng of many who are worshipping you, celebrating uh, the resurrection of 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you will use this occasion to exhort the saint, encourage them, and also to bring joy to those who might be despondent for whatever reason or the other. We also pray that you use this opportunity to also draw men to yourself because Easter is about God drawing sinners to himself. Do these things, Lord, we pray, as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When you look at the passage of Scripture, maybe going some verses or a verse uh, just uh, before the one we've just read and a few uh, texts in that Matthew 27, you will appreciate the drama of the crucifixion and the process which ultimately led to the Lord Jesus Christ being nailed to the cross. We see Jesus Christ uh, being subjected to an illegal trial. They abused him and they heaped on him all sorts of abuse that a man can ever know in this world. <coughs> and this was done by the soldiers. <coughs> he was afflicted. I think study, uh, I said 500 meals. I doubt whether this is 500 meals. So, he was abused. And the soldiers afflicted him. And we see his death and the things that occurred after his death shown to us in that chapter uh, of 27. Both, as we look at this, the nature with which the earthquakes and the darkness, the sun was actually made to darken for a period of three hours. And what we see also is the conversion of one of the centurions who actually said, indeed, this was the Son of God. I think we labored yesterday at Tree of Life to just unravel about this centurion who is Simon of Arimathea. And so, then we also notice that the enemies of Christ Jesus, they sought as it were to seal his tomb so that he cannot come out or be stolen. We learn again from this same passage of scripture that friends of Jesus Christ were actually as it were, uh, were, as it were gripped with fear. The, the, the soldiers were scared or were concerned that the friends of Christ will come and steal the body. While the enemies of the Lord Jesus, the, the Lord Jesus Christ were concerned with sealing the tomb so that he is not actually resurrected. Back to the text we have just read this morning, verse 1 to verse 10. There, again, we are brought to a place where we are introduced 
to two most shattering events of the world, which the world has never experienced before. The death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through this death, we see that literally the earth was shattered. And as it was shattered, we are told that there was a quake. There was a shaking of the whole earth. The rocks were shattered. In Matthew 27, verse uh, 50 to 53, it brings that out aspect. It tells us of the death of Christ on the cross and that the earth did quake and the rocks were rent. They were broken as it were into pieces. And in verse 2 of the passage we have read, there we see again the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are told there that from the grave there are those who actually rose. I don't know how it felt to the owners of those people who resurrected. We have not been told what happened. But I'm sure you would want your beloved to have been part of those who have been brought out from the dead. Friends and brethren, even the natural creation recognized and shook at the staggering significance of these two events, the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here, we note these two events of death and resurrection, they were not only earth-shattering, but they were also earth-shattering significance to human nature. And we see this because we see that the human race, which actually is you and I by then, they were also subjected to great terror and fear. But the positive part of it is that the bondage of sin and the fear of death and condemnation to hell were demolished just because of this incident or this event and were completely destroyed by Christ's death and resurrection he shook the very foundation of hell toppling and demolishing Satan and crushing his head as liberation tells us. And Christ's people were raised from the dead. Enemies of Christ came as dead, we have been told in that passage of scripture in verse 4. Now, friends and brethren, it is this awe-shattering event of the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus that we must actually turn our attention to as we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ under my uh, a sermon entitled Christ's Resurrection. 
the resurrection of Christ Jesus is about destruction of death and establishing of life and the destruction and condemnation and establishing of reconciliation. Ultimately, the destroying of fear and establishing hope. You and I will actually believe or will agree with me. At the mention of death, you want to say back to the sender. Why? Because death is a terror. It actually brings shiver in our lives. And this resurrection we are actually celebrating this day brings the confidence that now you can die with confidence. The resurrection of Christ Jesus achieved all these things as declared and confirmed by the angel. Friends and brethren, the truth of the matter is that the enemies of God were summoned to appear before God as God's angels and judgment day. They will actually be dreaded as we see them getting fear or getting instilled with fear. At the sight of the angel, we have been told they actually got stood as dead. What more when they meet God the judge himself? They will be what we call mouthless. They will have nothing to say. No one is going as it were to stand before God on the day of judgment arguing with him. Only the saints will stand. We are taught in the book of Revelation when actually it tells us in chapter 6 when he saw the Son of Man coming, what have we been told? The great men, the nobles, the kings, and all who were in that category, they wanted to run away from the, the, the judgment of the Son of God. And we are told, who can stand it? But when you go to chapter 7 of Revelation, and somewhere in verse 4, we are told, the 144,000 who represents the saints, the sealed ones of God, what were they doing? They were standing. If you are here today, you don't know Christ. You will not stand that day. And this opportunity given to you must be taken advantage of. Friends and brethren, the resurrection of Christ Jesus is the only confidence we have in this great commission of sharing the gospel. Five things I would like us to look at this morning as we look at the crucifixion or the resurrection of Christ. And this we begin from this five, basically using the outline sermon of the angel himself. Firstly, we are going to appreciate the crucifixion of Christ. The angel tells us there in verse 5, he actually acknowledges that Christ 
was crucified. And secondly, we will look at the risen Savior. Thirdly, we will look at the empty tomb. Fourthly, we will look at the spread of good news. And finally, we will close with seeing Jesus. Those will cover our study this morning. The first point, therefore, the crucifixion of Christ Jesus. Friends and brethren, the crucifixion meant that Jesus paid for all our sins and therefore death which is a result of sin could no longer hold Christ captive. And the first point the angel makes to the women was that Jesus was crucified in that verse 5 which we read. Now, this establishes the natural cause of death as a very cruel and torturous execution. When Christ was being subjected to this, he was in real pain as real human. The God-man was subjected to suffer the suffering of humans. And therefore, it was a substitutionary suffering of the wrath of God in the place of sinners in which Jesus bore the sins and the pains and the punishment which was actually meant for us who violated the law of God. And that is the reason why if you are here today and you ignore this call of you reconsidering your position by taking a stand for the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ, you must be pitied because you will not stand this man when he comes as it were. This time not as baby Jesus in the manger, but to judge the world. My question this morning is, are you ready to face Christ as a judge? Because here we've been taught in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, for God also suffered, sorry, for Christ also suffered for sins once and for all time, the just, for the unjust, why? So that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh. And this is what Easter is. God drawing men to himself. It's not about us hunting Easter bunny eggs. Neither is it about us doing Riesos so that we are nailed to the cross. Now, if you are doing that, you are actually doing it at your own risk. There is no merit in it. Neither are you anywhere closer to actually abstain from eating fresh meat. Friends and brethren, we see finally the extent of with which Christ suffered. He was put to death in flesh. 
there was nothing less than put to death in flesh which was necessary in order to atone for sin. This was important and that is the reason why Christ is the only one in there who is God-man. He needed to bear the body of humanity so that he can die because divinity cannot die. And he had to bear the Godhead because it is only this that will enable him to rise. Christ himself says he lays his life and he takes it again. He has authority over laying his life and taking it again. Friends and brethren, Christ's work was the work of redemption. He set us free by the payment of the ransom which required God's law as it were in order to fulfill his justice. Oh friends and brethren, will you ignore such a gracious afford and also gesture shown to humanity like you and I. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 26, there we are taught he has been revealed to put our sin by the sacrifice of himself. So, Repeatedly, the Bible tells us why Jesus Christ was crucified. He suffered for sins and the just for the unjust, being put to death in the flesh for those who were sinners. Friends and brethren, crucifixion was for the purpose of meeting the claims of justice against our sins so that the justice could be satisfied and sin forgiven uh, righteously by the almighty God. What is it that we can actually say by way of application? Friends and brethren, the good news of the gospel is that Christ was crucified in order for our sins to be atoned for. Iniquities forgiven and redemption accomplished what this means, friends and brethren, is that we, know it, we need not to labor for salvation. Like the way we used to sing in some church which we were, we were in before I became a Christian. Salvation is all of God's grace. There is no labor needed on your part. Friends and brethren, are you living a victorious life above sin? Are you forgiven? Are your sins forgiven? I think one of the things we learned in yesterday's message concerning uh, Joseph of Arimathea was that he was a secret prophet. When the gospel is presented in its entirety and totality, Man's faith 
is revealed, whether secret or is it hidden. You cannot afford to be playing underground secret as a Christian. If not, friends and brethren, if your sins are not forgiven and you are busy pumping, I wish, I wish that could be put in the dictionary. If you are busy pumping without Christ Jesus and you are comfortable with it, you are not any different with the chicken which we call the broilers. They'll be happy and fattening up thinking they are loved being prepared for the day of slaughter. And that is exactly what you are if you are moving without Christ in this world. Not only do we appreciate the crucifixion, but we see the risen Savior, the 6a. The angel again there tells us, He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Jesus' resurrection gives the gospel the confidence and the justification to be spread. I think that is basically why we are all here. Had it not been true in terms of resurrection, I think most of us would have not been here. Paul, writing to the Colossians in first. Uh, Corinthians, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. And we may as well pack our bags and go. But Christ has risen. And that is the cause which we must actually be encouraged with. The resurrection from the dead is the very heart of the proof that Christ Jesus has saved us from the consequences of our sins and the crucifixion achieved what it was designed for. In the Garden of Eden, our forefathers, Adam and Eve, sinned against God. They actually disobeyed God. And we are told there it did not go without warning. Genesis 2.17, there we are told, But from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. Adam sinned by breaking God's law. And as a result, he threw the entire posterity in quandary. We all die. We all suffer. Things changed. Out of this act of one man's disobedience, our forefather, Adam, In Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Paul there tells us, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. Oh, 
I think Kajunya is a little angel. She looks so innocent. Queen? It might look innocent, but it is an innocent sinner. If there is such kind of a thing, don't pamper it when you see the tentacles, or is it the, 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 the ideas of sinful tendencies being shown in Junior's life. They need to know this message at the early age of their lives. What is the leading cause of death in the fallen world? If you come to the scientific world and medical world, we will tell you malaria, cancers, it's whatever, and all those things, especially if it was two, two, a year ago or two. COVID! But that's not the picture here, friends and brethren. The leading cause of death for all humanity is sin. And we must actually labor to bring this point at home. Friends, when we look at this passage of scripture, it is basically seeking to show the reason why Christ had to suffer. He had to suffer because he needed to, as it were, liberate man from his sin. He needed to liberate his brothers from the shackles of the evil one. Why? Because death is, uh, sin is the leading cause of death. What about, what has Christ done to read the world of the terror of death. Well, because Jesus paid the debt that we could not actually pay, the debt we owed God of justice, he satisfied the demands of God's law against, of God's law against us. And he fully removed all the guilt and all the penalties of sin we incurred. Friends, if that does not encourage you, I don't have anything to. It's like a thief who stole your puppy or is it your bulldog? And sold it to one who was going to Livingstone. And when he is jailed, is it for three or six months or one year? He's come. You don't need to say, hey, come on, away, my dog. He has paid for it in full. You might even be jailed. And that's what Christ has done in regards to sin. Having had paid for it in full, death no longer has a hold on Christ Jesus. He has overcome death. Jesus' resurrection, therefore, is a proof that all of us whose sins are fully atoned for are released from death. We are scared and life eternal has been given. Oh, sorry, we are secured and life eternal is given, as John would tell us in John 14, 19, because he lives, we also live. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ's life is the proof and security 
for our lives. Again, John tells us in John 11 and verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, shall live. I think this is a fact which we need to keep on hammering. The members have been saying, You know, in Ondo, it's a hammer. We need to hammer. So that we are not, as it were, captives of just at the hearing of death, we are busy saying, back to the sender. Death has been conquered, brethren. Our sin did not keep Jesus in the grave. They will not, as it were, keep us in the grave either. Death has been swallowed up in victory, friends and brethren. If this news can cheer you, I have no other news to cheer you. This leads us to the uh, third point, the empty tomb. We see this in the 6B. And there the angel tells the women, come see the place where he was lying. The divine nature or the Godhead of Christ revived and raised Christ himself. Nothing else. Sometimes we are meant to think as if Christ needed an angel to remove the stone from the door of the tomb. No. In John chapter 10 verse 18 we are told no one has taken it away from me. Sorry. No one has taken it away from me but I lay it down on my own and I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it back. Friends and brethren, the message of resurrection of Jesus Christ is a wonderful news with implications. But for the purposes of this point, let me ask a question. Was it certainly true that this actually happened because it has been a source of debate in the world. If it was or it was, where is the body? Well, not with me, uh, two possibilities. Firstly, the soldiers who they said uh, they say guarded the tomb were trained men, thin as it were. Maybe only one can handle the 12 scared disciples. So it could not be possible that the 12 scared disciples could worm their way through to steal the body. The soldiers had to defend their, their, their profession. To show that no one escapes even in death. What about the Jewish uh, rulers or is it uh, Jewish authorities? They too, they wanted Jesus dead to shut his mouth for what they called ridiculous claims of doing things as one who has been sent by God. So... They cannot either steal the body of Christ Jesus. 
The question which now we need to ask, what was the, why was the tomb empty? There is only one answer, resurrection. The angel wanted to leave no doubt in the women's mind that Jesus was not there because he had risen just as he said. Brethren and uh, friends, sometimes afflictions and difficulties can have an effect on our faith. These people, they were with the Lord Jesus Christ most of the time. And he would tell them, the Son of Man had to suffer and he will die and he will be, he has to resurrect. But where had that knowledge gone? Were the disciples encouraged when they heard from the women, when they brought the good news that Christ has risen? Of course. What about you? Will you be encouraged this day forward to go and make known this news, good news about Christ having a risen and become as it were the comfort and also the encouragement to those who are discouraged? Friends and brethren, so not only did the disciples need to hear the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the whole world needed to hear this message as we see it in Luke 24 and verse 46. There we read, and the Bible reads, and that repentance for forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning with Jerusalem. Friends and brethren, that is what evangelism is. It is about us going out and preach the word. We are not going to stay indoors waiting for sinners to come in it only works in science and osmosis where we see concentrated particles come through the semi-permeable membrane to come to the lower concentrated. It does not go so do so with the word of God. The gospel means that it is good news which you and I must be passionate about to go out there and preach the word. Have you been involved in this week's outreach. I have seen part of it, or it is news to you. The Lord Jesus Christ and his message is too good to be kept to ourselves. It must be heard. It must be known. Not only do we appreciate the crucified the risen Savior, the tomb empty, and going to spread the message. Fifthly and finally, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe our destiny was right. Friends and brethren, the preoccupation of every saint 
in this wicked and perverse world is to see Jesus. Have a, I do think most of us who will be there, the first thing we want to see is we want to see Christ. Before you want to see your departed father or whatever, I don't know whether we'll be able to go, ah, daddy, or what. But the primary preoccupation is to see Jesus. And that is basically what Revelation chapter 22, verse 20 tells us. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Friends and brethren, if the trash which is being passed in this world under the guise or disguise of civilization does not actually cause you to feel like, come, Lord Jesus, I doubt whether you are one of us. When you hear draconian laws which attack the law of God being passed at will, I think this must come to your heart. When children cannot be disciplined, they will take you to court at the use of the rod. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Friends and brethren, if the tomb is empty and if Jesus is risen from the grave, then we must expect we shall see him. In verse 9 and 10 there, the women saw him and as they went to tell the disciples to behold Jesus, he met them as it were, and they came and held him by their, they held him by their feet and worshipped him. And we also see him comforting them, do not be afraid. Go tell my brethren, those who have a faith of Christ and kindred mind are Christ's brethren. Being brethren with the Son of God, who is God himself, but God the Son. What is the grand promise of the gospel? In this word, the idea that salvation solves seeing Jesus is the grand and great promise of the gospel. The disciples, in fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 to 8, how many people saw Christ Jesus? 500 disciples who bear testimony to the fact that if it is only me and Mary and so we telling you, no, we saw Jesus. Somehow you think this family is hallucinating. But 500? Wow, it's a proof of the resurrected Christ Jesus. Brethren, this is another proof that Christ had risen. You would expect that Jesus rose from the grave. Not only that the tomb would be empty, but that you would see him. And they did see him. Both the women and also other disciples saw Christ Jesus. And the good news is that we too who have the faith 
of repentance of our sins towards God and faith in Christ Jesus. We will see Jesus. John chapter 3, verse, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, there we, we read, See how great a love the Father has given us, that we would be, we'd be called the sons of God, and in fact we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it, it did not know him. Verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it is not... Uh, it, and it has not, as it were, sorry, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we shall see him because, sorry, we shall be like him because we will see him. Friends and brethren, the wonderful blessing of all eternity will be seeing the beloved Christ Jesus face to face. As it says in that passage I quoted to you, Revelation chapter uh, 22 verse 2 to 3. There will be no sorrows, no mourning. There will be no any of these issues we are grappling with every time we are looking forward to the next good president who will bring the inflation down. There will be no need for inflation. What you are trying to die for will be used to pave roads. And so, the good news of the gospel is that we will see him and we will be with him and we will be with his, we will be in his presence and in a face-to-face -face relationship with Christ Jesus. Forever and ever, through all eternity, the good news of the gospel is that we shall actually see Christ. Is that your desire in this wicked and perverse world? Friends and brethren, don't cry like the world when things are hard in this world. This resurrection and the thought of seeing Christ because you have actually this sure guarantee that you will not, as it will, go into the ground forever and ever must cheer you. Just notice the words that uh, Jesus, that the angel spoke to the women in 10, verse 10. His very first word out of his mouth were do not fear. You know, friends and brethren, our lives are always sat as it were through fear. And the sum total of all these fears is death. Now, when the problem of death is taken care of, fear goes with it. Jesus is taking care of every problem of death. And so, he has taken problems of fear. Are you listening to me today? If you are, friends and brethren, you are a Christian, you need to recognize that Christ is the solution. And this celebration of his resurrection must cheer us. I must give a bit, a, a, a short application. Brethren, that's the good news of the gospel. To the wicked, we can say 
if God is against you, you must be pitied. There is no one to speak for you, no one to cover you, and no one as it were to shield you from the full wrath of God. Oh, I think us as Watchtower, we believe that uh, those who are not Christians, they will just die and disappear in, in the thin air, annihilation. We? How would God, in your thinking, send his son to come and shed his blood on the cross for nothing and you disappear in the thin air? Think! God is an accountable God. He will call you to account no matter how much you tenaciously believe in annihilation. You will rise. I must conclude, brethren. Whatever problems you have, you have victory over sin and death. In view of this, all other problems become insignificant. Yes, they may hurt now. When we lose the beloved one, it hurts. When we are constantly sick, it hurts. Waste more with a chronic disease, it even hurts more. I do not want to minimize that. We all have deep sharp pains that cause us to wrench and twist at the agony of it. You know, if I subtract 20 years from now, wow, I was very versatile. Now, I don't know, before you realize anything you do, you, oh, you need to be massaged. Thank God for my wife. Friends and brethren, we have very same sharp pens, each and every one of us. It's not as it were the bottle which sorts them out. Neither is it the pills called the drugs or even the so-called motivation speakers or adding the papas of this world who will actually provide that solution. It's the risen Savior. He is the one who will sort out that problem. Will he remove pain? No! As you go in pain, Christ is there holding you and as it were taking care of you, suffering with you. No wonder Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter two, verse uh, chapter Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seventeen. The light of affliction, which is but for a moment, works in us a far more exceeding and eternal word. Friends and brethren, when we put our pain in the context of resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can fear not, we can look as it were forward with uh, optimism because there is a ready and deliverance that will actually come not from our lives, certainly not, but it will come from the Lord Jesus Christ which is assured for all eternity we will enjoy the pleasures and the presence of God and that eternal joy that shall never be removed. 
and all of these flows out from an, an empty tomb and the resurrected Christ Jesus. And so, friends and brethren, let your life, your soul, and your mind have the resurrection as the focus point around you in all that you do to resolve your life. And when you do this, you will not only fear, but you will also be filled with joy. These women were actually cowering with fear and were asking who will remove this stone from the tomb. When they found that young man, who they called a young man, seated on the stone, and he tells them the good news, they were no longer the same. Fearful, but rejoicing. And that is what we have been promised in resurrection. Will you this day, as it were, refocus your thoughts and mind when you go through affliction and suffering, bearing in mind that resurrection has provided the solution. Amen? Let us pray. Eternal God, we count it a blessing that we could be among the throng of people who are worshipping you, who are celebrating your resurrection. And our prayer, Lord, is that in our times of despondency, discouragement, and affliction, make this subject a priority to lift us up from our depression. Do these things, eternal God, we pray in Jesus' name. Yet our hearts flow for those who are in our midst and are still wallowing in their sins, thinking they still have time. Lord, we pray, slap them with the gospel so that they may not leave this auditorium without the Lord Jesus Christ. Do these things, we pray, as we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.